0: Hello and welcome to the Hole In My Heart podcast. This is episode 103, When to Walk Away from Toxic People.
1: Welcome. My name is Lori Krieg and I am the executive director of Hole In My Heart Ministries and we're coming at you from a snowy Grand Rapids, (laughs) Michigan. I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. And we also have our producer and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Today, we are talking about toxic people, how to engage them well, and when do we need to walk away? And guys, I know I need this conversation. It feels like there's a lot of pockets of toxicity in culture today, and I think perhaps a lot of us need to hear it. And who better to help us than relationship expert, speaker, and author, Gary Thomas. Gary, welcome. Thank you, Lori.
0: glad to be here
1: we're so glad to have you and just as a little bit more of an introduction for those of you who may or may not know gary he is a writer in residence at second baptist church in houston texas and an adjunct faculty member teaching on spiritual formation at western seminary in portland oregon and houston theological seminary and he is the author of more than 20 books holy cats including (laughs) sacred marriage which we were giving him props about good grief reaching the one million copies sold which is outrageous and amazing, that Sacred Marriage book. But he also wrote Cherish, and the book that we're going to be exploring today just released last month, which is called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. He's an international speaker and has been featured on many national programs, sharing the practical good news of the gospel for relationships. And we're really excited to dive in relationally regarding toxic people. But first... Let's get to know you better with that question of the week from last week. So, Gary, we're going to start with you and your opinion. What is the most annoying sound? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. But that kind of – okay. Well, you know what? I I just heard one of the most annoying sounds, Uh Lori, and it actually came from you. (gasps) When you put the words holy and cats together, (laughs) I am a dog person through and through. And I would – well, I respect you and the ministry that God has given you (laughs) and the gifts you have. Um, I would not put holy and cats together. You ain't wrong. (laughs)
2: this is literally the most awesome sound i have ever heard (laughs) this is (laughs) great i love it you
1: know you're not wrong cats they're pretty much evil so i am hereby scrubbing (laughs) my vocabulary here on out because cats are not holy dogs are way better (laughs) and
2: absolutely
1: we do enjoy engaging controversial conversations on this podcast let's just take a Good, clean shift, and we're talking dogs and cats today. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Hey, Matt Creek, what do you think? What listener stood out to you when they said, this is my most annoying sound?
2: Yeah, I was very much a big fan of this one.
1: My name is Dion, and I currently live in Clarksville, Tennessee, and I think one of the most annoying sounds ever has to be the sound that Styrofoam makes (sighs) when it rubs against Uh -uh. itself, like two takeout containers that are sitting in your back seat of your car and you hit a bump and they start to make that crazy sound that makes your ears bleed Mm. and babies Mm. everywhere cry. Yep, yep. I have almost wrecked my car before because I'm so (laughs) desperate to knock them apart so that the sound stops. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's legit. Like (laughs) never want to buy anything from Ikea because you know, that's all you're going to hear for the next (laughs) eight hours as you're trying to put the furniture together. (laughs) Um, For myself, other than the styrofoam, I would, I would say my most annoying sound is the word dad.
1: <laughs> dad 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 so dad, dad, much
2: dad, so dad. often no, it's like you bad. walk into the room or it's the middle of the night or whatever dad. And, it's just, dad. and it's said in a screeching yeah. like high pitched voice too mm. it can't just be a call me dad father father, father. may yeah, I please no, no, inquire oh. of
1: your help your assistance please yeah
2: so right now the word dad for me is the most annoying sound
1: oh that's sad sad dad alright Steve
0: okay I really like this one
1: this is Holly from Wisconsin. The most annoying sound, in my opinion, is when people make noises when they yawn, like when they go, yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying. <laughs> the A very close second is when people make a lot of noise while they're chewing. The yeah. theme being normal
2: activities done with your mouth, but causing more noise than is necessary. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that yeah. yeah definitely and I feel like when
0: I was brought up it was like chew with your mouth closed because of that because of the sound the noise it makes when you're but when you chew with your mouth closed like if you've got gum or something there's a lot of like little bubbles in there and a little <laughs> lot of, it's like
2: <laughs> you know it's yeah. like it sounds like pigs to me Yeah. so you just can't win if, no. if you're having a meal just turn on some music I guess
1: <laughs> Just a don't funny eat. Question. Just don't eat. I appreciated Cat, who was on episode forty-two uh, on a gender conversation. I appreciated her perspective.
2: Most annoying sound or noise is someone biting their nails, or like worse, like clicking their nails with their teeth. <laughs> Ugh, like that's that high-pitched sound. Yeah, super gross. Ugh.
1: I feel that. Mm. It happens a lot around my house because my precious husband (laughs) tend to do that. But I've learned from a marriage expert uh, that says that marriage isn't supposed to make me happy, but holy. And so (laughs) this nail biting is actually very good for my um, my sanctification. So thank you. I'm actually going to thank you for that sound, Matt.
2: Well, you're quite welcome.
0: (laughs) So. This is so funny, Lori, because I do the same thing with my nails and teeth that bugs Lisa. And she would have such an easy time with this question because I would say the most annoying sound to her is like 10 sounds that I make every day. Oh, no. That I, I'm just a noisy like this. I've got a water bottle right here, and I'll just grab oh, yeah. it, and mm. that, that bothers her. Oh, man. i I think I bother her a lot. I try not to, but <laughs> I make noises and <laughs> –
1: uh, well, we're starting off well, guys, yep. so I don't know how we're going to transition to toxicity, but we'll get there at some point, uh, even though probably toxicity isn't the same word as toxic people, but whatever. Maybe <laughs> you can teach us, Gary. But before we do that, we ask every guest this set of questions because the purpose of this podcast, believe it or not, is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so we ask every guest this set of questions, which is, when was the gospel If the gospel is, I'm more loved than I can imagine, and yet more sinful than I believe. When was that gospel first good news for you, and how is it still?
0: I remember being a very young boy, maybe six or seven years old, terrified that I was going to die. And I don't even Mm -hmm. remember what made me that young think about that. And just sensing the presence of God and the comfort of God, it changed my life. And then I would say again further on in my life, I'm the third of four kids. I'm the third boy and we have a fourth sister. Mm -hmm. So I just look at that family map and with three boys and then the daughter and I would tell the third born son mate, look, if you want to be noticed and loved, buy a dog and feed it (laughs) because that's a very – crowded family map. Um, (laughs) you've got the older brothers who are stronger. You've got the princess sister. And my sister is wonderful. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that in a derogatory way at all. She's an incredible human being. And so I feel like in my neediness and in my need, God stepped in and I had just some wonderful people who invested in me when I first got baptized at eight years old. This, uh, by Sunday school teacher gave me a copy of Good News for Modern Man, hmm. which your younger listeners may not even remember that, but it had these stick drawings. It was considered very, very um, – I don't know how to say it, in the late 60s, early 70s, it's just considered very modern and contemporary and mm. and risky that you'd have stick figure drawings in a New Testament. Oh, and, hey. and God spoke to me through that and has changed my life. And my favorite thing about my life is that I really don't have a conscious season of my life without God's presence some way being involved.
2: mm.
1: So is that how the gospel then is still good news for you? Is that conscious awareness of God's presence? Or, or how how do you experience the gospel's good news now?
0: Well, I, I think of the gospel now not just as what it does for me, but the mission it calls me to. Okay. And so as I get older now in my 50s, Every day I wake up, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, what What do you want me to do with the hours today? What do you want me to do with the time? What do you want me to do with the platform? It, it's not about me. Yeah. I It is so freeing to me. Yeah. Uh, I think I wanted to be noticed. I wanted to make an impact. And now just celebrating – In one sense, we've won because Jesus is going to be glorified. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We get to see that. I can't wait for that day. And so every day now is just playing a tiny, tiny little speck of a role in seeing that come about.
1: Mm. That's great. And that comes through in the book that you wrote, When to Walk Away. Like You might think it might just be a negative book just based on the title, but it's definitely not. So let's, let's go there, though. This when to walk away, finding freedom from toxic people. Uh, that phrase, toxic people, it's kind of a buzzy sort of phrase right now in the sense that you hear it about like toxic masculinity, et cetera. Um, why, why did you choose to engage this conversation?
0: Because I was naive for about three decades of my adult life hmm. with misplaced guilt. I think with probably a weaker sense of mission I engaged with people I shouldn't have engaged with. I wasted time I shouldn't have wasted time on. It kept me from healthy relationships. I would let them haunt me so that I wouldn't be present with my wife or my mm. kids. I wouldn't have the self-confidence and the joy and the peace to reach out to others. I'd start to question my own sanity. Yeah. And so it was just looking back, I always thought if I could just play good offense, be surrendered to the Lord, know the scriptures, apply them, walk in obedience, hear God's voice, gain experience, that it it just be success after success. And I read some spiritual biographies that almost present life that way. Hmm. It never occurred to me the need to play spiritual defense. Hmm. And when I saw that Jesus did it and then could understand that he taught us to play spiritual defense. It was nothing short of revelatory in my life. I I would say the notion of sacred marriage, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy was revelatory for me, changed my marriage. This has changed my ministry that Mm. Jesus walked away so often. And in following in his footsteps, I need to learn when to walk away.
1: So can you help us? Let's go to Jesus um, as you're taking us there right now. Like, from whom did he walk away? You know, like you, for us, I feel like we, we get this flannel graph, which might be too old for our audience as well. Like this happy Jesus who engages the blind and the sick and hangs out with like the least of these, which he did. But did he also walk away from the least of these?
0: Uh, I counted 41 citations. And this was a, a marriage and family therapist friend of mine who put me onto this, Mm -hmm. where Jesus chose to walk away from someone or let someone walk away from him. Now, not every one of those situations involves somebody who's toxic. I would think the rich young ruler is a case in point. I don't think he's toxic. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus loved him. The gospels specifically say, I think most listeners will remember this. A a rich young ruler comes up to Jesus. He says, I've done all this from my youth. What do I have to do to be perfect? And, and I love the way one of the gospels sets it up. It's not in all of them, but it's in one central one. It says Jesus loved him. Yeah. Jesus loved him. It's not like Jesus didn't care about what happens with this. It says he loved him. And so Jesus okay, you've asked me what you have to do to be perfect. I'm going to tell you. you money's got a hold on your heart. You need to sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And then the Bible says he went away very sad because he was very rich. And it's it's a brilliant statement, today's culture. Most people wouldn't put very sad and very rich in the same sentence. Right? You know, very sad because he was very rich. But it kept him from what would have been absolutely the best. And now here's what fascinates me. He walked away. Jesus didn't chase after him. Yeah. Jesus didn't try to argue. Now, Jesus loved him. But Jesus, I've spoken the truth. That's how I loved him. It says Jesus turned to his disciples, if we have time to get into it, the reliable people that Paul talks about in Second Timothy 2, 2 and said – let me explain to you why it's so difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. So here Jesus walked away from a hard-hearted person who just wasn't willing to receive the news. Jesus said, okay, I've got to find somebody who does want to hear my teaching. Hmm. Another occasion, Matthew chapter 8, another familiar story. Jesus delivers two men filled with demons. The demons asked to go into a herd of pigs. Jesus says, fine. Pigs run over a cliff and the the town is appalled because it was their livelihood um, you know they're raising pork they can have a fire sale on bacon and pork chops but after that it's going to be slim pickings and so it says in Matthew 834 they pled with him to leave their region not just their town they just get 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 far away where you can't do anything else and in chapter 9, 1, which is the very next verse. It's confusing because it's a different chapter, but it's the very next verse. It says, Jesus got into a boat and sailed away. He didn't walk away, but he sailed away. The principle is the same. So I saw throughout Jesus's life and ministry, he would share the truth generously in a relevant way with compassion and empathy. He loved those people, but if they wouldn't receive it, he would find someone else who did. He walked away
1: so i'm picturing i don't know i i want to i do want to talk about what you're saying reliable people and what does it mean to be a toxic person but real quick, let's just follow this rabbit trail for a second. So I'm picturing online. So you post something online. You're like, okay, I know this was a risky thing to post. And then you post it and then you get like a billion comments and some of them are good and some of them are not. And the not good ones that like critique or whatever, or even blasting you, those are the ones that stick with you. You're saying perhaps a way of Jesus would not be to, uh, to engage even. Um, but to perhaps to say, this is what's true. It's what I sense God telling me to post and to say, and I'm just going to walk away from even engaging here.
0: Yeah. L- let me give a, a, a very real circumstance that con- I think kind of led to the book. Mm-hmm. I have been writing on marriage for a couple decades and I did a post addressing an issue uh, that I haven't written a lot about, although I did some, I, I was appalled when I found out that some were, um, Using sacred marriage, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than make us happy, to justify encouraging people to stay in physically abusive and dangerous marriages. Wait, I mean okay. basically there's a person who's written on this, Yeah, wanted me to read her book, someone else's. And I, I wrote back and said, look, I'm, I, I'm not the expert on this. God led me to write this post but I don't know all the languages. I don't know all the nuances. I mean, somebody like Matt would be better Hmm. who's, who's got the training. And I said, I just, I just wanted to voice since I wrote Sacred Marriages that, well, took offense that I wouldn't read two books on it. And I I was just trying to be nice. I'm not going to lie to you and say, yes, I'm going to read the books. I just said, I'm going to write another post next week about something else. And I'm not going to read Well, suddenly I was part of the problem and Mm -hmm. there was a whole group that were brought in that were doing attack reviews and then started attacking my wife that she's Mm -hmm. covering up for me. That maybe Mm -hmm. I'm writing a post about abuse to cover up my own abuse because that's what abusers do. Um, and, And the more I tried to interact, just it seemed like the worse it got until I finally woke up one morning. Just since God's saying to me, go encourage someone. Mm. Write a post that will bless someone. Write one sentence of a text message to somebody you love that will bless them and encourage them. Stop defending yourself and fighting here. Mm. It's done. Nothing's going to change. Bless people. Love people. Do good. Go on the offense. And, and – For me, it was two things. Redirect to positive ministry. Don't make it your goal to defend yourself. Uh, Some people, they enjoy attacks. And, And this was astonishing for me. Most of us, if we're healthy, we want a peaceful work environment, Mm -hmm. that's boring to a toxic person. We want a mutually encouraging marriage where we support each other. That's boring to a toxic person. We like the thought of being a part of a church, pursuing a mission, reaching the loss, helping people recover from issues. That's boring to a toxic person. A toxic person has to engage in conflict. They like to put people against each other as long as they're at the center doing it. They're setting everybody right. They're drawing attention to themselves. And and so we shouldn't play their game. I think we just have to walk away and say, I'm going to spend time blessing, encouraging, and loving. And if people are going to speak ill of me, my mission isn't to defend me. My mission is to proclaim the love and reconciling power of Jesus Christ.
1: That's it. So you just really laid out what is a toxic person. Do you have any more of a definition for us? Yeah.
0: And I want to make this clear. Every toxic person is difficult, but not every difficult person is toxic. Hmm. By toxic, I mean someone that really is destructive. They're destroying you. Uh, Here's an analogy. This might be terrible, but let's say every Christian, if they're healthy, they want to give to others. We go to the Lord. We study. Lord, can you give me food to feed others? And God fills up our platter with all kinds of food that we want to pass out throughout a day. A difficult person might come and say, thank you very much and empty out the tray. We say, well, that's kind of rude, but they might be hurting. They might be really hungry. A toxic person says, yeah, that's not good enough. Why don't you chop off your arm and let me know on that? Hmm. They're going to destroy you. They're going to punish you. They're going to undercut your joy, your peace, your self-confidence. They're masters at gaslighting. And it sounds selfish until you realize the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my Strength. Strength. So I can't reach others if I'm made weak. If I'm gaslighted, so I question my own sanity, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to speak up when I can encourage them because I'll say, well, what if I'm going to hurt them? What if I don't know what I'm talking about? What if I don't have anything to share? It it goes back to an analogy. uh, If you've ever been a lifeguard and they go through training, they teach you self-defense right at the start. Because... People who are drowning may unintentionally drown you. They're panicking. And so for you to be an effective lifeguard, you have to learn how to defend yourself because if you're drowned, you can't save that person and all the future people you would save would die. Mm. And I think in the same way in ministry, if God has called us to reach out to love others, we play self-defense not for our own sake. But for the sake of the mission that God has given us, we can't help others if we are assaulted and undercut and destroyed by toxic people. So I will give even sacrificially to hurting people and even some difficult people. But when it starts to be destructive, when I know they have evil intent, Mm -hmm. that's when I walk away.
1: Okay, this is interesting. So I'm just thinking about someone who's, this is not me wearing my ministry hat. This isn't me wearing my, I'm a Christ follower hat, I guess it should be my whole person, but whatever. Uh, I'm a disciple who's called to make disciples. And I feel inside of me as a disciple maker, when I'm looking for someone to, I guess, mentor for lack of a better term, but just disciple who's asking me for mentorship, I'm looking for someone who's on already a trajectory of Christ-likeness. And so can you help us like what are we because and and again i will say there's something intrinsic in me which maybe what i'm reading is toxic there's some people that i feel just want to cling to me and i get the sense of drown me (laughs) and maybe they don't maybe they're not even consciously seeing thinking that but they i i can sense it and for those i'm like I, i can't disciple you but the ones who need help and are already on a trajectory I want to help them. So, can you help us? You mentioned reliable people. Am I describing perhaps a reliable person?
0: I, I think so. My my senior pastor here in Houston said, "Jesus chose his disciples, and so should we." Yeah. So we're we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus expressed that in the Great Commission, saying, "Teaching, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you." And then Paul has his great commission in 2 Timothy 2.2 when he says, Timothy, whatever you've heard me share with others, entrust to reliable, some translations use the word faithful, reliable people who are qualified to teach others. So my faith is defined by reproducing whatever God has given me. It's why I'm always on the lookout to encourage younger writers or younger people in marriage ministry or, or, or spiritual formation. If I can encourage them, if I can bless them, That's part of what I'm called to do, not just express my ministry, but help others find theirs. And so for me, what was so freeing to help me get through the misplaced guilt, because I have a lot of it, was, is this person the wisest investment of my time? Hmm. I have limited time. Now, I'm an empty nester, which gives me a little bit more, but I still have friendships. I still have duties at the church where I'm at in my own writing and speaking. So I'm just looking at, like a financial invest: is this a good investment? investment of my time. And so whether or not I'm qualified to make the designation, this person is toxic. I would even take a step back and say, is this the wisest use of my time? And so if somebody's just needy, I I, I think what we'll find when I've talked with most people, Lori, that that, that they, they can recognize. In fact, a pastor told me this was his wife. She spent three years with a very needy, but very nice woman. Mm -hmm. At the end of that three years, the woman wasn't any healthier and his wife had lost so much because she is – God has used her. She's got a great ministry on her own. Mm -hmm. She's very gifted. All of the ministry time that she lost. So when she finally had to break it off, this very needy, once nice woman was not nice. She was a slanderer. She was an attacker. She was an accuser. And she looks back and says, boy, I wish I would have read When to Walk Away before because th- that sweetness was really covering up a toxic spirit, which is controlling. I'm going to control your time. Yeah. I'm going to get you to do what you want to. If I want you to talk to me, you will talk to me. I'll either be your friend. I'll be your enemy so that you respond. But one way or another, we're going to interact. And, and mm-hmm. that's a toxic Good Nothing.
1: grief. So, okay, but where are they supposed to go? Because then my, like, little mercy heart, I'm like, but they need people too. Like, where, <laughs> where, like, does Matt, yeah. the therapist, have to go and walk with all the toxic people? Like, I, like maybe it's well, just, you know, yeah, they're, they'll maybe confront their own reflection when they're walked away
0: from. Look, even good therapists have been known to fire their clients. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if Matt has, but I've heard many therapists said that's one lesson that you eventually have to learn hmm. because we're, I can't reach everyone. I don't want this false messianic complex. Yeah. If Jesus walked away from people, how much quicker in some sense should I, maybe hmm. they're when, when I, and, and he interact, it becomes toxic. But maybe when Matt interacts with them, it's not toxic toward Matt. Um, hmm. I, I think that's possible. I do think there are genuinely toxic people where um, we just need to walk away because I found by walking away from a toxic person, I'm essentially loving them by saying, your toxic approach doesn't work with me. Yeah. So maybe they'll start to say, I need to find out how to love people and encourage people and serve people instead of use people, control people and murder people. Oops, uh, snap. And, and, and so in, in one sense, by – Enabling their toxic behavior, okay. You you act like you want to be my friend or passive aggressive need or whatnot. We're telling them it works, and you, and after you're done with me, you should do it with someone else. And and I don't I don't think in the end that's helping them. Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, my wife and I are going through the Bible because well, our whole church is chronologically, mm-hmm. and so you're reading like the in the Synoptic Gospels the same encounter three times on the same day how not nice Jesus was sometimes Hmm. I mean he would call people out he would speak the truth and if they didn't receive it he 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 would walk away and he wouldn't play their games he would say no what what you're saying is evil and it's amazing to me how reluctant I was to do that because I was voted most polite in ninth grade in the Uh hall of fame you know that they have And, and that that's sort of the image I had of myself but I don't want to be known as most polite. I want to be known as most faithful. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm. I'm not created to be seen as polite, even though I've lived my life that way. I want to be seen by God as faithful to produce fruit that honors him.
2: Mm. So, okay. I mean, yeah, there's, there, there are people who the toxic person in their life, they might be married to, who they have yeah. this kind of covenantal relationship with. And so you've got kind of the spiritual reason to stay, and then you've got maybe the the controlled reason to stay, you know, that they're being yes. manipulated and everything. And how how can people who are, you know, in these relationships, how can they look and identify like, am I in a toxic marriage? Am I in a toxic relationship?
0: See, that's why people need uh, people like you. Hmm. Um, because, I, I, you know, I I love to read about some sports and long distance running, whatnot. And Alberto Salazar was one of our nation's most successful marathoners ever. And but he got very sick. And he said during his recovery, I never realized how sick I was until I started to feel well again. Hmm. A doctor finally figured out what was going on with his immune system and everything. And so he started to feel better. And he goes, Man, I was really sick. He'd gotten used to being sick. A person in a toxic marriage may not realize that their marriage is toxic. Until a counselor says, no, this is not normal marital disagreement. This is not normal male, female working it out. This is toxic hmm. behavior. And, you know, they may not realize that. Now, I think we need to distinguish between two things. You can act in a toxic way without being a toxic person. A truly toxic person wants to be married because they like the platform to abuse, control, and demean someone else. They get a sick, perverted pleasure out of destroying someone. On the other hand, you can act in a toxic way With good intentions. I think of a a husband. His wife was an alcoholic and he realized he was trying to control her. Controlling is toxic. But in this case, it was because he was concerned for her. He saw her ruining her life or you could see that with a mom with a drug-addicted son or something. I don't think the mom is toxic toward her son. I think she's acting – perhaps in a toxic way. And so when I've dealt with couples, I had one where I, I mentioned in the book using control as a toxic behavior. The husband was very controlling. And what gave me hope for the marriage was after the wife had listed all the ways he was controlling, I turned to him and said, and what do you have to say? And he said, everything she just told you is true. Now, I, I didn't say this out loud because I didn't want to give my pastor's hand away. But I thought to myself, this marriage might be able to be saved because he's repentant. Mm -hmm. He's humble. He wants to leave the behavior behind. And I believe in the grace and power of Jesus to do just that. If he had questioned everything, if he had tried to make her feel like she was crazy by gaslighting her, if he had tried to turn the tables on her, uh, then I would start to feel very concerned that, no, this This is a guy that just enjoys controlling his wife. Um, He didn't enjoy controlling his wife. He just had to learn to let go of controlling behavior. He wanted to have a healthy relationship with his wife. And those are two very different things, toxic behavior and a toxic person.
1: Hmm. Okay. So if someone's listening and is in a marriage and they recognize, they're like, I I don't know, like maybe they are wrestling with, I I don't know, I, I don't even know how to ask this question.
0: I think I know what you're saying, Lori. in that um, I would ask those who love you. What I found when people are in a toxic relationship or a toxic marriage or they have toxic parents or toxic in-laws or what, if you talk to people who love you, by not walking away from a toxic person, I usually count about 12 to 20 people who are hurt watching you be treated that way. Hmm. Um, You know, I've seen parents that have come to me when their adult children are married in a toxic marriage. And when the marriage ends, they say, I have my daughter back.
2: Hmm.
0: The light has come back. I've heard her laugh. I can't remember the last time I'd heard her laugh. And so usually, you know, sometimes we're afraid to speak up. I would just ask around. I would go to a licensed therapist who can tell you this is normal behavior that marriages have to work through. This is not. And then those that love you look, I'm not going to challenge you. I'm not going to attack you for being honest. I want you to be honest. What do you think's going on in my marriage? Or what do you think's going on in relationship with my child or with Mm -hmm. my friend? Uh, Because people that love us hurt when they see us being treated in a toxic way.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's helpful. And thank you for that helping to clarify because I was like, oh, because I think sometimes we can say toxic or or jump to that word quickly uh, or at least I don't know, I just maybe in some of the circles I run to when when really we just need to say the word, this is difficult, uh, or yes. maybe people aren't saying, I feel like the people who aren't saying it are more frequently in toxic relationships than those <laughs> who aren't. Like the ones who are naming it, I don't know, it seems to be like they actually, there's just some things to work on, but the ones who aren't are the ones who, I, I have sent your article too, that I'm like, this is actually very scary what you're seeing and, and trying to say that in a very humble way, but oh, this is what we're seeing. Have you run into that as well? Like, it seems like the people who are in it don't see it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's just, it's one, I think is part of it. I'm I'm sure Matt has run up against this in his practice. For a woman or a man to admit, I'm married to a toxic person who wants to do me harm, who wants to use marriage to do me harm. It is so horrific, the implications and the application of what you have to do next is so scary. I think just mentally, we don't want to go there because if we admit it out loud, now life ahead is going to get very difficult for a long time period yeah. of time. Yeah. And, and that's why we don't need to be alone because I found Lori, for instance, I mentioned I was voted most polite. Mm. I, I don't want to label people who are different than me as toxic. If some if somebody's forceful, it's easy for a more laid back guy like me to say, oh, they're acting toxic because I'm not a forceful guy and so I, I, I wish everybody was more chill and, <laughs> and, and polite. But sometimes we need people who aren't necessarily polite, who are forceful, who will speak the truth. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's two different questions I'm kind of answering there. But one, I think we don't admit it because the consequences look so horrendous and it's easier to be in denial. And two, I do agree with you that we can jump to labeling somebody toxic just because they're difficult or just because they're different. And I think that's abuse of, of the whole idea.
1: Yep. Okay, friendships. I have had more people than not have them come to me and say, essentially, I want to I need to break up with my friend. And they haven't been able to say necessarily this word toxic, but I hear the drowning, that they're a lifeguard, that they kindly jumped into the water and this person's drowning them. How do we break up with friends?
0: Well, if it's been a long term friend, I think we need to be honest. Why? Yeah. But I think we need to be direct and explicit. It's not, let's take a break if you never plan to go back. Oh, snap. It's, this has become destructive. Um, I don't think it's productive for you or for me. I don't think we're going to agree. And and I think we'd say, and look, I'm not asking you to defend yourself. I'm not going to change my mind. Let's just, like, if it's somebody at work, we're going to keep our relationship professional from here on out. Yeah. We'll we'll discuss business. We're not going to get into personal issues. Uh, and and I, I think where we get into trouble is when we try to let them down easy and mislead them. It's like when somebody's breaking up with somebody romantically. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so clear. If you know you're never getting back together, tell them that. Yeah. Don't say if we're both 40 and not married. You know, I th- th- <laughs> yeah. those kind of things. You you you've got to be clear. And if it's a rather new friendship, I don't think you need to give a lot of things. But if it's somebody you've been with for several years mm-hmm. and they expect to see you and hear from you, I think we have to be honest mm-hmm. uh, and loving and say, I, I I, think you need to work with someone. And it mm-hmm. well, What if we do it and say, you know what? I'm not a therapist. Of course, Matt can't say that, but most of <laughs> us can say I, I, I'm not a therapist. So I think um, you should work on that with your counselor or your pastor. I'm mm-hmm. not the one to do this with you. But um, look, I, I wish the best for you. And uh, but, you know, yeah. we're not going to get together again.
1: And on that, I think the the kindness, the niceties, for lack of a better term, because, you know, love is kind and patient, but it's not just nice. Uh, that's a way yes. to hide. But so is yelling, like being mean, mm. because you're there's something rare this day, these in this era about someone just saying, this is what I believe and saying it and their whole body holistically present with their words. And then they just stay there. They don't run. They don't yell. Why is that so hard? Maybe even with toxic people like why, why do we want to run either to anger or to hiding as opposed to just being present?
0: Well, there's a two lists in Colossians three that address that that I really aspire after. Now, I'm better at them in theory than I am in practice. <laughs> But, but Paul says what we take off, and the reason Colossians is so important, a lot of your listeners may know this, the church in Colossae was a brand new church. There's nobody that could look at somebody who had been a Christian for five years and say, oh, they're a more mature believer. They were learning literally what does it mean to be a Christian. So it's so practical. And so Paul says, OK, here's what it is to be a Christian. In Colossians 3.8, he says, here's what you got to take off, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language and lying for a healthy Christian. We don't use those. We run from those. If we find ourselves slipping into them, we're appalled. We repent. We want to get out. And then he says the positive that we put on, which is verses 11 and 12, compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility, love, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I've memorized those qualities because that's when I'm interacting with someone Th- that's what I want to do. Okay, I have to learn. I got to have compassion for this person. I want to be kind. I don't want ill will toward anyone. I want to be kind. I want to be patient. I want to be gentle. Ultimately, I'm going to have to forgive them. But if I'm operating out of rage, I'm not acting like a Christian. Malice, wanting them harm. I should want everybody to receive what we've all received: reconciliation with God, forgiveness for their sins, their eternal good, and so that they become a worker to spread love instead of spreading hate. And and, and so those lists are just mm. gold for me. Yeah. Um. In, in one sense, it's better than reading ten books. If I just memorize those two lists and say, "Okay, this is how I want to act. This is how I don't want to act." Mm.
2: Okay so so the two lists you know to to put away you know anger rage malice slander you know and and some people the the way that those things get directed is is not toward others but but toward themselves and you have this section in your mm-hmm. book about how how we can be toxic to ourselves? Can you go a little deeper into that?
0: Yeah. That chapter cut about as deep as any chapter I've, I've done. Yeah. It was a spiritual experience for me mm. going through it because I'm thinking about, oh, this is awful. People treat to- people toxically. It's terrible. It's terrible. And then God just kind of dropped us into my lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate it when others treat you in a toxic way. And, drum roll, I hate it when you treat yourself in a toxic way. Mm. And I sense God telling me, don't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to others. I could be vicious with that. You know, you're such an idiot. You're so weak. I can't believe you're doing that. I would never talk to my wife that way. I'd never talk to my kids. I would never talk to a friend or somebody comes into my pastor's office. And I would regularly act in a toxic way toward me. And one of the things that freed me was realizing I hurt God when I do that. If God hates it when I'm being treated in a toxic way, He He hurts, and I don't want to hurt God. And second, I realize I did that because I was making myself the hero rather than Jesus. When I make myself the hero of my life, and somebody treats me in a toxic way, I'm tempted to hate them, They're like "How dare you challenge my role of being hero?" Or I'll disappoint myself. I'll sin. I won't respond with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. I'll respond with anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, or lying. And then because I'm supposed to be my hero, I'm disappointed in myself. I will hate myself for not living up to my highest ideals. Mm -hmm. It was only when I realized, you know, there's only one hero in the Bible, and that's Jesus. Every character in the Bible has feet of clay where they mess up. Uh, even somebody as wonderful and wise as Lori can put holy and cats together. <laughs> uh, so w- we all have those weaknesses, and so instead, for me, it was don't hurt God by being toxic to yourself. Don't let yourself become the hero of your life. Jesus is the hero of your life. You're proclaiming the worth of Jesus, the remedy of Jesus, the glory of Jesus so that you won't make you about the center of everything. So if others treat me in a toxic way, I can walk away, but not hate them because I'm thinking, Lord, I pray that you'll save them. I pray that you'll help them spread love instead of hate Mm. Um, because what they need is to be reconciled to you. And then when I mess up, it's like, Jesus, this is why we need you. This is why we worship you. This is why we tell others about you. We all disappoint ourselves. You've never disappointed me once.
2: Mm.
1: I read that part of your book yesterday and today I did something dumb and I was like, oh, and I was ready to do the like beat myself up. And I just remembered what you wrote, which really is just echoing the word Lori. Yeah, you did fail and many times I stumble and yet who's the hero and that's that's so good. So last thing here, you talked about the mission, how, like, what is the mission and how do your words in this book
0: help us get on mission? All right. I'm gonna sound like a preacher here. Get but it. you ask. And you it. can cut it if you need to. <laughs> no, we need um, it. I'm fascinated that how Paul mirrors Jesus. Jesus Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the mission. He is not talking to people who are paid to be Christian workers. Mm. He's talking to farmers and tradesmen and grandparents and parents and children. That you wake up and your mission isn't your enrichment. Your happiness, your pleasure, your comfort. It's the kingdom of God, his rule, his influence, his reign over other people. And then this is, this is where the walk away part comes in. He says that in Matthew 6 33, in Matthew 7 6. This is what I missed for decades. But don't give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine or they'll turn and tear you to pieces. So he says, I'm sending you on the offense. But play a little defense because some people won't receive this very well. I don't want you to be torn up. Okay, so that's the mission. And then in Matthew 28, he says how that's expressed. Make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Paul has his Sermon on the Mount in 2 Corinthians 5.15 when he says, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So Paul is saying this is – it's not about your salvation. It's about now you wake up to do what God wants you to do. You don't live for yourself anymore. And then his great commission is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Timothy, whatever you've heard me share, it, whatever you've heard in the presence of others, entrust to reliable people mm-hmm. who will be qualified to teach others. So Paul just says the Sermon on the Mount and the Great Commission, Paul repeats it. You now live for God and you live for God by investing in reliable people who you give them everything you've learned and then they'll take it to others. And it's because of those reliable people that I get to pray, that I get to worship, that I get to wake up and know God because people who are told by others spread the truth to me. And they wrote books and they taught Sunday school when I was in eighth grade. And I had a pastor who preached a wonderful sermon when I was eight years old and went forward to receive Jesus. And then that Bible study, the Sunday school teacher who gave me the good news for modern man and a high school uh, teacher who helped me, a, a college pastor who really discipled me. Um, it's it's why I enjoy the life I enjoy now that people listen to Matthew six thirty three and Matthew 28, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 2 Timothy 2, 2. Mm. Amen.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. You took us to church and we'll keep that in. Well, Gary, thanks so much for being a part of this conversation and for really teaching us what are toxic people, but really helping us to get better on mission.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: If you guys want to connect to Gary, we will connect you to this book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People, as well as his site and um, to some of the really great resources that he has, including those 20 books he's authored and the one that, dang, sold a million copies. That's so good because I know it's not about the number. It's really about lives that are looking more and more like Jesus in this metaphor we're doing to make our marriages look like Christ in the church. Guys, our question of the week for next week. What tradition makes you focus the most on Jesus at Christmas? I'm like for serious interested in the answers to this because I think we could use that more. I mean, the reason for the season, it's more than just a rhyme. We really do need it. Okay. but guys, thanks so much for being a part of this team, for this podcast family, and for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We will see you next week.